coexisting with our mortal existence is the supernatural realm. The only thing that separates us from the other side is the veil of comprehension. Sometimes that veil thins and our worlds intersect. These are the terrifying and ghastly encounters from those who lived through them. These are their haunted confessions. They say that there are two specific questions regarding our existence on this mortal plane. Number one, are we alone in the universe? And perhaps the most prolific question, what happens after we die? Death is the ultimate inevitable, the one guarantee of life. For some, they believe nothing happens, that we simply cease to exist, that our intelligence, our energy, the soul, simply powers off. For others, they believe we go to a specific destination, coinciding with how we lived our life, being judged and ultimately sentenced to a place in accordance with our soul either punishment for eternity or happiness and joy. Others believe we continue on, born into a different body with no recollection of our former life. These are just a few examples of almost infinite religions, customs, beliefs, without ever having experienced the transition. Who can honestly say they know? I myself have seen and heard enough things to surely realize that death is certainly not the end. Over the centuries, many experiences have been documented regarding death. Observations from doctors, surgeons, witnesses. Over the centuries, we've gained a little bit of insight to what may happen when somebody transitions over, because some actually come back. These rare and lucky individuals often come back with stories, what they saw, what they heard, what they felt, offering us a glimpse into the other realm. For some, it's a bright, beautiful light described as peace and happiness, a force so great that some say they felt compelled to stay while others have a totally different experience, one of darkness, loneliness, and a feeling so dreadful they find it difficult to put it into words. In the rarest occasions, some of those individuals who have come back from the dead claim that something has come back with them, something that follows them through their life something that is attached to them. The following conversation is about exactly that. 
The following story is brought to you by the support of my exclusive Patreon community. Please consider subscribing today. Go to patreon.com slash Steve Shippey, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Steve Shippey. You will instantly unlock hundreds of hours of exclusive content, over 60 paranormal investigation documentary episodes at some of the most haunted locations I have ever been. Be the first to know of my latest projects, appearances, investigation events, and more. Again, Patreon. Dot com. Join a community of like-minded people. Join, binge, and participate. Haunted Confessions with Steve Shippey. And we've got Ron Lumsden on the line. Ron, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Steve. How you been? Been good. Now, we've talked on and off throughout the years, and you've definitely given me a small preview, I guess, if you will, about an extreme experience that very few people on this earth have ever gone through. Where would you like to begin? Uh, we can begin with uh, a date, May 14th of 2016. Yeah, I went into a, a cardiac arrest that day. I was supposed to go to work with my, my youngest boy, and uh, I stayed home to help out at a, at a garage sale at my house in, in Hemlock, Michigan. Because I'm still getting emotional right now. almost breaking the sweat again, just thinking about it. Uh, Felt pretty good that morning, I guess. Uh, was joking around with my wife and her good friend, Gina, that day. And later on, I got kind of tired of dealing with the garage sale stuff. So I went in the house and sat by myself for a little bit. And my kids came in, two daughters, and chit-chatting with them a little bit as I was sitting in the front room. Unfortunately, I can't remember a whole lot of it. Uh, so my boy went and took a shower. And so when he got out of the shower, he came back out to the front room. And I was dead in a chair, gray, blue lips, everything. It vomited everywhere. Lost all my body functions and he uh, let out a scream. I went and got his, his mom and this is where this journey is going to start. Your son gets out of the shower and literally finds you dead. Yeah, in the chair, in the rocking chair. Do you have any idea how long you were in that state before your son discovered you? Like I said, he took probably about a 20 minute to half hour shower. So it had been within that time frame. My body was cold. He let that scream out and got his mother's attention. And the good thing about Tina was that she was a, she was a certified a nurse so she you know got in there with him and they threw me on the floor and and uh she checked me over and i had no pause no nothing i was i was dead you know there was no color to my skin whatsoever and i'd already started turning polish gray blue and uh they started to see charm and that went on for a good another 20 minutes it seemed to be from the regulation of third, third time standards and calling 911 and trying to get medical to our house and uh, trying to explain what was going on that you know I was completely dead on the floor and they were performing CPR me. EMTs were arriving and they uh, uh, started to shock me to try to bring me back around. It was three to four shocks, got me up on the gurney and I flatlined again in the ambulance. So it's just uh, an odd story for me to be talking about it right now still. If she wasn't there to uh, begin those measures of CPR, there's probably a really high likelihood that you and I wouldn't be speaking at this moment. We're not. We're not speaking right now. No. Wow. I, I. I don't. I don't make it. Intense as this already sounds, and I guess one might think this is uh, as bad as it gets. This is just really the beginning of this journey. Yeah, it's the it's the start of a extended journey for me. They start shocking you multiple times, and then finally they detect some element of a pulse. They load you into the ambulance. What happens next? So they performed CPR again on the ambulance, uh, shocked me again on inside the ambulance. 
So and that got me my pulse back and they uh, started to uh, incubate me actually on the ambulance. So when I got to the hospital, it was a, a direct feed into the emergency room. And the timeline from everything's probably get 45 minutes to an hour that I was gone. 45 minutes to an hour, you were clinically yep. dead. Yes. Wow. I was uh, told by the cardiologist later on down the line that I was in a four to six percentile that uh, survived from something like this. What do you recall during that time? Oh, it seemed like an eternity. Uh, darkness, evil. I can't fully describe the, the, the darkness that was in there, Steve. It, it was probably the blackest thing I've ever seen. There was just so many images of darkness coming at me, and I don't want to say it was uh, demons or anything like that, but it was. It felt so evil. It was scary. Now, Ron, when you say, you know, it was extremely dark and in an angry place, but you also said that there was a darkness coming at you. Yeah. I mean, there was a darkness in the realm, and everything that was coming at me and shooting around me and towards me was even darker than that. And those are the images that I still have to today. It's hard, it's hard to still talk about. I can only imagine. I mean, how, how would you, I mean, it's it's almost impossible, I guess, for anyone that hasn't seen or experienced what you have. But right. I, I guess to the best of your ability, uh, you know, I, I understand, of course, it's difficult. But how would you describe what you were seeing? What what did these entities look like? How would you describe what they look like or their movements? If you put yourself back in that place, I guess, mentally, how would you describe what you were seeing or hearing or all the above? I mean, it was just kind of like a, a dark, a real dark smoke, a real bad image. It's, it's almost hard to describe for the darkness and the evil that it felt from it. And it, it wanted to, to scare me wanted to install fear into me and that's exactly what it's done so to this day it's it's something that still haunts me deep inside when you say that you can you could sense the evil what do you think you were dealing with almost impossible to describe just for what i was been told i was so mean and angry to everything around me i mean i was so mean to my wife my kids in the hospital going out of the coma i had no idea what was going on still but it, it, it's like it kind of locked me into a phase and uh, I, I think that's where an evil spirit comes from. Let me propose this question for you. Listening to everything that you had just said, do you think it's possible that you were affected by this darkness, this evil, where you were, and that perhaps that effect on you is what could have caused the way that you were feeling and reacting when you came out of this coma? Do you think it was your anger about what happened to you or do you think that this could have been where you were and what you were exposed to still affecting you as you were brought back to this reality? I, 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 I take that realm. I mean, I, I think it affected me. It got into me. It, it, it pushed anger off that, you know, I wouldn't see myself doing to, to my family. I mean, there's, there's no reason for me to be that cruel calling my, my daughter's names and my wife's names that shouldn't have called them at all. And I'm not going to repeat them, but they were extremely derogatory. So whatever got into my brain left an image to be the last out to the people that loved me. When you were in that other realm, you know, in that utter blackness, and you were experiencing a visitation by something, were there any words spoken? Was there any type of communication in any way that you can recall? I could hear I could hear things. 
was kind of hard to understand. It was words being spoken or sounds that sounds like words, I guess. And I could say it was growling or um, not phrases or anything that you completely understand. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I got a, a full word out of anything, but there was just, just there, there were sounds. Were there any other kind of sensations that you could recall? Was there any uh, sense of temperature or, or, or any type of senses, I guess, that, you know, we as uh, mortals have? Uh, were you able to tell if you were, you know, geographically high or, or low? Uh, was there any echoey sounds? Was there anything ambient? Was there anything like that? Uh, coldness. I mean, like the, the sensation of being cold. Didn't know the didn't know the surroundings. I couldn't tell if I was up or down, or it was just a void that I was in. The surrounding was just so black. I had no sense of balance to it at all. Now, Ron, you had told me that it seems about an hour that you were deceased. You know, there were there were no signs of life. You were by all tense and purposes dead. But yep. you had said that it felt like an eternity where you were mm -hmm. like I had no ending it, it seemed to be it just seemed to get one on and went on and went on and it just seemed so evil I still see shadows to the day I mean there's that spooks me right now and, and makes me kind of be emotional you come out of the void you return to the living you're alive again your life is returned to you and you yep. still are encountering that evil presence that you saw in that void as you described it even now yeah Probably shortly after I got out of the hospital and uh, I was back at home and there's a dark shadow in front of me swooping by me and it, it just would scare the hell out of me. And I still get them to today. My wife sees shadows now. She said it's never been a part of her life before. Tell me about the first time that you experienced these dark shadows or entities after the incident that happened to you. When was the first time that you had saw them in your conscious living normal life? I'd say as probably within a round of two weeks after getting out of the hospital. Sleeping in a chair and I woke up. My wife was actually sleeping in a bedroom because I couldn't lay in bed. Woke up and there's a dark, shadowy figure just hovering. And when I went to move it, it, it came at me and was gone. And that seems to be um, how it always happens now. When that happens to me, I become um, unkind to people around me. So when you encounter these things now in your life, you see these these dark black figures, these shadows, and they seem to lunge at you every time they come after you. Yep. And on these particular days when this happens, it literally affects you to the point where you start feeling angry again and, and you start being angry towards other people uh, in your life that you would typically never be that way too. Yeah. I mean, I, my wife called me out on it. So it's like, you know, that I try to explain, you know, you know it's, it's not that I want to be that way. I don't want to be mean something affected me. I mean, at this point, I, of course, have to ask and draw that, that parallel to, you know, the information I'm getting from you, but do you believe that you brought something back with you from the other side? I think there is. I mean, I, I believe it is. Never before was I that bad. It, it's really weird. In a sense, it almost seems that there's some form of spiritual warfare going on with you. Uh, my belief in God is uh, at point in time my characterization of what God and Christ was, was it was the adult version of Santa Claus, almost to the point of being an atheist. You know, believing in the supernatural still and, and, and understanding you know, things do happen, but not having a full um, belief in God at that point in time. And I think that's what I was in that, that dark void, that purgatory area. You know, I wasn't being let into heaven yet, and I, I wasn't going to hell yet. Ron, throughout your life, have you ever, I guess, dabbled with the occult, or was anybody close to you? 
um, ever involved in any type of dark arts or practices. I'm just curious, and, and you don't have to answer that question if you don't want to. A little bit, yes. This one, obviously, if you have a, had a Ouija board there, so I think the kids kind of were messing with it a little bit, and things started happening really weird in that house. So we actually left the Ouija board there when we moved out. So, yeah. Has anything else changed? Uh, is there anything else that has changed within you since that fateful day? Uh, I guess I could say I'm, I'm more hesitant to let, to let people in. You know, I, I keep myself more to myself now. You know, it, it's, it's hard for me to talk about it. It's hard for me to express things. I'm, I'm scared to become close, I guess. And it, it's not easy. Not easy at all. Do you think that these entities will, will ever stop coming toward you, or do you think this is something that is going to continue to happen? Has it slowed down at all? It, it happens at least a couple times a month, at least. That frequent? Yeah. I get shadows here still. Even my wife sees shadows now, so whatever's affecting me has is, is started to affect her. affecting us both to a point, I think, now. We actually had to put lights on our floorboards to, to put light into our hallway because it always said it looked like something was coming at her, a dark shadow down the hallway. Now, just out of curiosity, Ron, is, is your wife, is she home? Is she with you now? Yeah, she's actually sitting next to me. Yeah? Do you think, would yeah. she would she want to chime in a little bit? Just to... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she would. She would uh, discuss anything there? Yeah, she can. Oh, okay. You want to, I can hand the phone off to her. All right. Hello. Steve Shippy, what's your name? Carrie. Carrie you are actually seeing and and experiencing this activity as well. Yeah, I do have an issue with it. Um, I had to put four lights on our our floor, motion activated. So when you walk by, they slip on. Because I won't look up. I won't even look down into our kitchen because I can see more shadows down there. And it's just like they're standing there staring. And I will not go down there. You've had to go to the extent of putting motion-activated lights in your home as to try to avoid these shadows. Yes. This seems to really affect your life. It does. Um, for whatever reasons, I feel more safe and secure with the light. And like I said, we have night lights everywhere. They're everywhere. The house has to be semi lit up without flipping on the actual light switch. And what's really creepy is when the hallway lights randomly turn on and there's nobody down there. These shadow figures that you guys see, they seem to always follow a pattern where, as Ron said, and as you said, that they seem to uh, lunge toward you. How do you interpret those actions? What what goes through your mind when you see this? It's very uneasy. It's kind of scary. Um, for me, it reminds me of the Reaper. It just kind of reminds me of a Reaper. And how do you interpret this? I mean... Knowing what Ron went through and being this close to him and knowing all the intimate details of his situation, do you think that these beings, or this being rather be singular, do you feel that they're after Ron in a sense? Do you feel that they want to bring him back to that void, or what's your interpretation? They have unfinished business with Ron, is my, my feeling. How difficult is it for you loving Ron and, and being with him and seeing him go through these things? I mean, obviously, you are now also dealing with some of these after effects, but knowing the weight of what has happened to him, you know, what what is that like? You don't really know what to expect. I do know that from the day he had his cardiac arrest till now, we have actually been 
in our own relationship, you can say from hell to back. Whatever he faces, I do, you know, I try to tell him he can talk to me and express what he's feeling because there's a time frame he wouldn't talk about it, um, about the shadows and all that. And now he's, he will talk about it. He's more open about it. And there's certain places that he'll go and he's really over emotional. Like you can literally watch him get goosebumps and his hair stands up. And I think our relationship has grown where we've learned to understand each other more. I know when he's having more of shadow, he does. He kind of gets a little mean. Yeah, he gets very angry. He will say things hurtful, very hurtful things. And sometimes it might take me a day or two to even express how hurtful it was. And he says, I didn't mean it. He's like, I know what I was saying was wrong, but I couldn't stop it. We have a forgiving, you know, we don't hold anything against each other with his attitude or his anger. Because I know it's not him, per se. It's just something affecting him. If you wouldn't mind, would you put the phone on speakerphone? I can. All right, Ron, you can hear me? Yeah. You know, I think something interesting, you know, comes out of, some of these last moments when I was speaking to Carrie, I guess looking at it in a sense of uh, sim- symbolism, uh, the symbology of it is the darkness that you experienced, you know, the void removed from light and seeing entities that were darker than the blackness that you already referred to as the void. Now you look at what's happening today in present day. And as a result of seeing the shadowy figures in the home, Carrie has gotten to the point of wanting motion lights throughout the house as to combat, in a sense, light is the answer to darkness. I'd I'd agree with that. There's a lot of light that I hear, you know, through this phone call. Obviously, we talked about some very dark things, you know, and some things that were very unnerving and very unsettling and, and are definitely. But there is a lot of light just like those ones in your hallway that activate with motion in the sense of there's a love on the other end of this phone. The fact that Carrie had said, you know, we, we don't hold grudges. We, we go through these things. We're, we're, we're struggling with what happens, but at the same time, there's, there's that defined love between you two and that, that forgiveness. And I think that no matter what these things are, whatever you encountered during that hour or your eternity, so to speak, love is going to win. Oh yeah, most definitely. She's my, uh, she's my light, I guess you could say. And Carrie, I want to definitely commend you for being strong enough to stick with the person that you love and understand that this isn't necessarily your battle to fight, but you're willing to for the person that you love. And I really, really respect that. Thank you. Quite frankly, after listening to your story and knowing that these things are still going on, I think it might be time that perhaps we have a conversation outside of this and maybe there's a way that I could help out. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd appreciate that. You know, maybe there's something that we can do to um, identify and, I guess, find a solution, you know, for you to no longer have to endure this. That that would be a, a blessing, Steve. This is a story unlike any I've ever heard, and um, I'm going to be in touch with you very soon. As a matter of fact, when we finish this recording, I'm going to call you and uh, discuss a couple of things. But I want to thank you very, very much for sharing the story. I'm sure it was very difficult to recall some of these things and, and relive some of those moments. And um, Carrie, thank you as well for 
the impromptu uh, conversation and for, for sharing your story as well from your perspective. You're welcome. All right. I'm going to reach out to you guys here shortly and um, let's finish this. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Carrie and Ron, I'll talk to you in just a moment. After my conversation with Ron and his partner, Carrie, I am left with many, many questions. One of them being, where was Ron really at when he was deceased for an entire hour? That void, as he described it, that feeling of dread, anger, and that visceral evil that he described for what seemed like an eternity. Carrie believes that this dark entity has unfinished business with Ron. Is it possible that the miracle of Ron returning to his mortal body angered whatever malevolent and dark spirit or worse so much that it actually crossed over to follow him? to attempt to continue to torment him through his life, trying to stray him down the wrong path, perhaps hoping that when Ron finally does pass on for the last time, that Ron may find himself back in that void. I, for one, truly believe that Ron is in the middle of a very, very important battle, and the stakes couldn't be any higher. But he is also armed with that experience, that knowledge of what he saw and felt on the other side. Along with a loving and caring support system, I think Ron will continue to distance himself from that darkness, one light at a time. Haunted Confessions